Our gospel lesson comes to us from the Gospel of Mark, the fourth chapter, beginning at the 35th verse. I invite you to open up your own Bible or the Pew Bible that you may follow along. Let us listen this morning for how God may be speaking to us through this word. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, the gang is all here. Jesus had initially called Simon, Andrew, James, and John in the Gospel of Mark. The four fishermen were called to leave their nets and their boats and to follow him. So off they went. Jesus began to heal a man with an unclean spirit and Simon's mother-in-law and many more. He calls Levi and continues to heal and address questions. And finally, he assembles the remainder of the other seven He calls them to be his disciples, to follow him. The twelve have been chosen. Least we forget this day that he calls us, too, to follow him and to trust him. The crowds that continue to grow, and so just before our focus for today, Jesus teaches by the Sea of Galilee. And so the crowd pressed in on him. That was so great that he got in the boat with the disciples and pushed offshore just a bit to be able to see everyone. He begins to teach them parables. He begins to let the disciples in on the secrets of the parables. For Mark 4.34 tells us, he did not speak to them, that is the crowd, except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. So let's for a moment just climb aboard that boat with Jesus and the disciples. It must be smooth sailing. We're just going to the other side of the sea. It's only about eight miles wide. It's as wide as point. Some of these people on board are experienced fishermen. They know what the sea is like. We'll be just fine. Jesus, you take a seat in the back and you take a nap. We've got this. And leaving the crowd behind, they took with them in the boat just as he was. Darkness began to set in and a great windstorm arose Translated from the Greek, it was a sudden storm, a whirlwind, a squall, possibly even close to a hurricane, and the waves beat against the boat, so the boat was already being swamped. You see, the Sea of Galilee, if you've never been there before or seen images, sits down in a valley, and so the wind, it gets channeled in, and it picks up speed, and it picks up strength, and out of nowhere, from calm can turn to chaos, 
from calm can turn to storm in no time. But remember, the disciples included some experienced fishermen, but I'm not sure even they had seen a storm like this. Can you imagine what it was like for them? I know we have some experienced fishermen here in the congregation and those who are boat enthusiasts that have seen waves and storms before, but I even think you have not experienced what the disciples experienced that day. Perhaps they were saying to one another, we're going to need a bigger boat. But he was in the stern asleep, that is Jesus. A place of honor in the back of the boat to have the most comfortable seat is where he was. And the disciples must have been looking at each other and thinking, how can he be sleeping? They approach him, and I wonder if they drew straws or decided, no, you go, no, you go, you go wake him up. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They really believed that they were going to die in that very moment. Have you ever been in that place where you feel like the end may be near? Life has gotten so hard that the waves are swamping over you. And you wonder where is Jesus in the middle of that storm? That panic, that anxiety sets in. But for Jesus, he woke up. And he rebuked, he admonished the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. To be muzzled, to be silent. Can you imagine what the disciples must have been thinking? The wind ceased and there was a dead calm, as scripture tells us. Everything stopped, everything was calm. And I would imagine quiet the disciples trying to catch their breath, thinking, what in the world did we just experience? We were in the middle of the worst storms of our life, and perhaps that was it. But no, Jesus says to them, why are you afraid? And the way this is translated in the Greek, it says, it describes a person who loses their moral gumption, their fortitude that is needed to follow the Lord. Why have you lost your fortitude to follow me. What are you so afraid of? After all, I'm right here with you. I'm in the boat with you. I'm not at some distant shore looking on you. I'm with you. And then he says, have you still no faith? And here what Jesus is talking about is not so much faith in me as the son of man, because they're still trying to discern who Jesus is in terms of his full, human, full humanity and full divinity. What he's saying is, do you not have confidence in me? Do you not trust me? But you see, what they figured out was that Jesus was doing more than what they had experienced before. For they were filled with great awe and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's a fair question because up until this point, Jesus had performed some incredible miracles but controlling creation, stopping the sea and the wind, this was all new to them. So when you think of that scene of the disciples out on the sea, what image comes to your mind? Well, in 1633, Rembrandt paints Christ in the storm on the Sea of Galilee. It's his only painted seascape. And if you've never seen the image before, I encourage you when you get home this afternoon to look it up. But his painting is described this way. The biblical scene pitches nature against human frailty, both physical and spiritual. 
the panic-stricken disciples struggle against a sudden storm to fight to regain control of their fishing boat as huge waves crash over it, ripping the sail and drawing the craft preciously close to the rocks in the left foreground of the image. But amidst this chaos, only Christ at the right remains calm, like the eye of the storm, awakened by the disciples, desperate for pleas to help, he rebukes them. Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? And then rises to calm the fury of the wind and the rays. Nature's upheaval is both cause and metaphor for the terror that grips the disciples, magnifying the emotional turbulence and thus the image's dramatic impact. But in the image off from the distance, on the right-hand side is the dark sea, but ahead is the light. They are heading towards the light, the light of day, the light of a new day in which Christ is leading them, the light of a new day in which Christ is leading us. Ultimately, this is a narrative about the helplessness of the disciples and the sovereignty of God. God's ultimate lordship and rule over the universe, more fully expressed in the person of Jesus Christ, that Jesus and God are rulers of the universe. The story for today is a larger narrative of how Jesus is preparing them, the disciples, for a future of following him, which will bring more storms for them and for us. So who will they trust in the future? Will they trust themselves or will they trust Jesus? What about you and me? Who is it that we will trust? Do we give Jesus the spiritual high five and say, I've got it from here? Or do we follow behind him and let him lead the way? Following World War II, the World Council of Churches embodied an early Christian symbol. The church universal is depicted as a storm-tossed boat with a cross for the mast. The stilling of the storm continues to reassure the church in every time of persecution and distress that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is ruler of nature and history, and that he is present with his disciples in their anxiety. The text is also significant for we individual Christians in times of tumult and grave danger. A natural human reaction is to wonder whether or not there is a God and if so, whether God is even aware of my problem. We cry out to God in the midst of the storm, don't you care? We try to wake God up to take care of us. At such times, this story speaks of our condition. To picture Jesus in the boat with his disciples, present with us and concerned for us, even when we don't perceive that he cares. Pastor Scott Walker, author of a book called Footsteps of the Fisherman, he was actually here back in, I think, 2008 maybe to speak to us, and we've done some small group studies around his book. He says this about the storms. We each have critical times in our lives when grave problems overwhelm us and we feel like we're drowning and going under for the final time. We are terrified and lose confidence that things will never be better. Panic threatens to overcome our reason and stifle our faith. In the midst of all this, we seek the peace of Christ. We seek the calm. So what does that look like? What does that sense of calm and peace that only comes from Christ look like? 
Well, I don't know if you paid any attention to the sermon title this morning. Amani Yaju is a Swahili term, which means a higher peace, a peace that comes from above. But it has an important story behind it that I want to share with you this morning. Amani Yaju is an example of how the power of peace, Christ peace, transforms broken lives into ones of celebration and hope. The story of Amani itself reflects what can happen when God's peace truly takes root in hearts. From small beginnings of a few women to a network of diverse centers of culture, the story bears witness to the power of peace. In 1996, fleeing the Civil War in Liberia with her husband and four daughters, American missionary Becky Chinchin found herself in Kenya among other refugee women. It was from her own experience as a refugee that her vision of working with marginalized women emerged. She saw the need to affirm dignity and worth of those around her. Along with uh, Magdalene from Mozambique and Lucy and Veronica, both from Sudan, Amani Aju, peace from above, was established. Each of these ladies began their journey with Amani, having been broken and devastated by the horrors of civil conflict. They shared a common need of healing, a restored vision, and a renewed energy to live again. While they came with needs, they also came with gifts. They brought together skills of stitching, a love of African textiles, an eye for beauty, and a passion for peace. The convergence of their talents, needs, and desires brought Amani Yaju to life. With a personal loan of $500, they began making placemats in Becky's home in Nairobi and selling them in hotels and events and local shops. Through the blend of ministry and business, Amani Yaju emerged as a holistic economic enterprise. The women of Amani Yaju experienced God's peace and the profound difference that it made in their lives. The seeds of peace that were first sown in Nairobi have continued to spread and multiply as women return to their home countries or repatriated to new homelands, they take Amani, Yaju, the higher peace of God with them. A presence of peace has been established in numerous cities and countries and communities wherever women with a vision of peace have gone. This peace, these women of Amani, Yaju, have found that changed their lives and it can change our lives as well. For it's not self-conceived peace in the midst of the storms of life, but it's the peace that Christ gives us when he can still us in the moments of anxiety and fear and panic. But it takes work. It takes work on our part to get to that place where we can find that center of peace. It's not a quick fix. The disciples didn't get it right away, and I don't think we get it either. But it's worth the journey if you're willing to take it. I know that firsthand. For some nine years ago, I found myself in that place of uncertainty. My mother had been diagnosed with cancer. So between caring for her and my family and serving another church, I found myself being lost, wondering what was going to happen next and what was I going to do and then I found myself sitting with a pastor friend of mine who was a wise mentor, and he commended to me Psalm 131 that Catherine read this morning. 
And that mantra of calming and quieting my soul has been something that has continued to feed me virtually every day of my life. And I found later on as I began to hone in on this text from Mark many years ago, Jesus calming the storm, that quieting my soul and letting Jesus calm the storms of my life has helped me find that center where I can put on a new set of lenses that where I look through his eyes, not my eyes, at the problem and can step back and take a deep breath and know that he has me, that he leads me. Is it perfect? No. Do I still have a ways to go? Yes. But I share that with you this morning, not that you need to do it the way that I've done it, but I share that with you and encourage you to engage in God's word in ways that you can find it to be life-giving. When Danny led his series on prayer, talked about prayers about relationship with God, and that's exactly what it is. And when you find that sweet spot, when you find that center in your own life, that connection with God, your life will never be the same. And what awaits you will be so much better than you've ever had before. But you've got to be willing to commit In the middle of your problems, do you think that Jesus cares about you? Yes, for he's in the middle of them with you. So when you believe that and when you live into that and you have that faith and trust in who Jesus is as the Son of God that was sent here to teach us, to die for us, to be raised from the dead for us, then your life will never be the same. May your amaniyaju, that higher peace, Dwell in your heart, your mind, and your soul this day and forevermore. Amen.